Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of the B2B Marketers No Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone who is on a critical mission, I'm going to say, to develop B2B content that speaks directly to your customers and establishes your business and you as an industry thought leader. So coming to us from Calgary, Canada, Mr. Mark Rafan, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me, dude. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so glad to be talking to your listeners today. I'm, I'm really excited. Likewise, likewise. It was um, fantastic to be connected, Mark. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation because as we just said before I hit record, it's that time of year, right? Like people are getting budgets approved. They're getting their plans approved. Some of them are experiencing pushback. So this is a very pertinent topic. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to have a ton of fun. There's going to be a lot of value for your listeners. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's dive right in. You know, Mark, you're a world-renowned expert in B2B content persuasion and negotiation. But for the purpose of this conversation, let's just narrow it down a little bit on a topic, as I said, is extremely relevant for B2B marketers everywhere. Here it comes. Get ready. How to get a decision maker's buy-in to invest in content marketing, right? To get them to a yes and to get them to sign off. So talk to us about why you believe there's so much pushback from the C-suite when it comes to content marketing. I think for the most part, Christian, most leaders don't, especially if you don't have like a CMO as part of your organization, if you're just talking straight to an executive who has no marketing background, most leaders don't understand why it's so important, right? And so when you say, hey, we need to invest in more content marketing, they say, what are you talking about? Like, you've already got a budget for marketing. That is the budget, right? And continue to do the things that are working. And you say, no, no, we need more money for content marketing. They just don't understand why it's important. And I think that's not necessarily a fault of the leaders. It's a fault of ours. Because as content marketers, we need to do a better job of showing leaders what it is content marketing is, why it's so valuable, And we don't do a great job in that conversation with them of giving them the evidence and tying their emotion to a decision. And when you're in marketing, you believe there seems to be this prevailing misconception that people understand marketing, but they they don't. And I like to think of this when you're having the conversation with a leader within your organization in three parts. And this is not a new idea. It's an idea that Aristotle came up with like 2000 years ago, but to any kind of argument that you make to someone to get them to move in your direction, you have to have three things. You have to have logos, pathos, and ethos, or in our modern um, way of saying it, you have to have logic, right? There has to be a logical reason of why we should make this decision. There needs to be an emotional appeal, right? I have to be able to tie your emotion to that logical decision. And then ethos is ethical credibility, or in our case, just brand credibility. What's our personal brand? Do we have the credibility to be able to carry that kind of a decision forward? 
And so when we think in terms of that context and when we ask for that kind of a budget, we really have the building blocks for what we need to do to make a good business case internally within the organization to help someone to make a decision. Now, the first part to that is obviously dealing with the logic, right? So the logos, as Aristotle called it. So what do I mean by that? Why should someone logically make a decision to invest in content marketing? Well, here are the facts. Content marketing is 62% less costly than traditional advertising but can deliver three times more leads and significantly more traffic. Content marketing is also critical for developing a solid sales funnel. When you think of the sale, and all executive leaders can relate to this, they may not be able to relate to sort of the marketing funnel or maybe our derivatives of it, but they can relate to the sales funnel. The sales funnel is discovery, consideration, and purchase. How is someone going to go through discovery and consideration if there is not content for them to consume? And this is even more compelling when you realize that 83% of typical B2B decisions are made by researching solutions and ranking options and benchmarking pricing and consuming content before a buyer even engages with a provider, with a seller. That's from Gartner, that's not my number. Gartner did this research study to show that 83% of the buying decision is made before you even talk to them. So your discovery and consideration stage, the content for that is required. it's, It's not even a, Uh, it would be nice to have. It's a requirement now. Otherwise, you're not even going to be in the conversation. Because if 83% of the conversation takes place or the, the discovery takes place before you speak to someone and you have no content, guess who's going to win? The company that has the most targeted, precise, and quality content that speaks to the buyer need. Not only that, but 74% of companies say that content marketing enhances the quality of their leads. So as they go through that decision-making framework, they're actually building a better quality lead. Why? Because they're eliminating leads that won't fit. So all of your outbound sales strategy becomes better as a result of it. And then obviously there's everything else that we talk about usually, right? Where we say, hey, content marketing improves your search rankings. You can position yourself as a trusted authority or a thought leader. It inspires customer advocacy and loyalty. But those are sort of like the feeling-based things. There needs to be data to be able to help an executive support a decision. And so that kind of data is clear. The, The results are there. The research is done. And so you can bring that data logically to a thought leader or sorry, to an executive within the business to show them that this is the right decision. And that's the logos argument that once you get that piece down, then building the emotional appeal and the ethical credibility becomes a lot easier. But I'm going to pause there and just see if that sort of resonated. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And I think you brought up something which, uh, you know, really struck a chord with me. It's it's about making that case, right? Yeah. It's making that case in a way that the C-suite will understand what it is you're talking about. I think more often than not, <laughs> there are some marketers out there that just are struggling always to what I call package what it is that they're trying to get approval for. I mean, to your point, like they may not understand necessarily the nuts and bolts of content marketing, but they will certainly understand that it will help to 
generate more more business and and that business will flow through the pipeline and, and, and in turn it will help them to close the sale that's the kind of language that the senior management would understand <laughs> yeah absolutely and I, I think what's important for people to try and get out of the mindset of especially those content marketers that are trying to get budget or those marketers that are trying to get budget for content marketing it's not an either or conversation right like i'm not trying to say you should be replacing you know your ppc strategy i'm not saying that you should be replacing your out of home strategy what i am saying is you also need your content because those strategies become more powerful when there is content to consume so not only does the content marketing work itself but it enhances every other kind of advertising that you're doing yeah no that's absolutely right that's absolutely right you brought up this buzzword earlier which is also a beautiful segue into the next question it's about misconceptions but mm -hmm. also about common mistakes highlight again uh, for us what those common mistakes and misconceptions are that b2b marketers make when it comes to getting approval for content marketing and what they should be doing to address those yeah, I think the the biggest mistakes that marketers make when they're going to get budget for anything is they think like a marketer. Which I know that sounds like a, a crazy thing to say, like, obviously, you think like a marketer, but remember who you're speaking to. You are what who is your audience, your audience is an executive that doesn't necessarily have the same level of understanding of marketing as you do. So when you go and you speak to your CMO about, hey, we need more budget for content marketing, you can do away with a lot of the conversation about why content marketing is effective. They get it already probably, right? But if you don't have that level to be able to speak to, if you are the CMO, if you're a one-person show and you think you want to create more content for your organization, remember who your audience is. What do they care about? What is the leader of the organization cares about? They care about EBITDA right? They care about profitability and they care about growth and they care about brand and reputation. So when we think of it from that perspective, we've got to be showing them about how this could positively affect each of those three areas. And when we think of growth, when we think of profitability, when we think of brand, the message has to be related to that. Now, earlier on, we spoke about all of the incredible stats about like why you should invest in content marketing that's going to support that argument a lot but there needs to be that emotional appeal that i was talking about earlier because most executives in fact all of us don't make decisions based purely on logic right so even if you have a logical argument you're not spock right you're not going to make a decision based purely on logic there is going to be an emotional component to it. So I have to be able to tie your emotion to making a positive decision in my favor. And so when we think of how someone makes decisions using emotion, it's usually with two things. And this is going to get super Freudian, but this is really important. There's pain and pleasure. So we, as good marketing people, need to be able to tie our message to our executives to each of those two things by saying, hey, Mr. or Miss Executive, if you do this thing, you will get all of this amazing stuff. That's the pleasure side of the argument, right? Here's the opportunity to get something. Here's how the business will grow. Here's how all of this will happen. What we really suck at is the pain side of the argument. We're not able to draw out the pain that someone could experience by not making a decision in that area. 
So let me give you an example. If we make this decision, if we don't make this decision, you will miss out on. What are we trying to do? We're trying to increase the fear of missing out. And that fear of missing out is substantial. In fact, research shows that people are twice as likely to make a decision based on fear of loss rather than the opportunity to get something. And we try to remain positive and say, hey, this is all the stuff that you're going to get, but we need to leverage fear in that conversation. Not saying that we need to dwell on it or it needs to be the main focus of our conversation, but there needs to be some component of fear of missing out on that. So for example, if you were an executive and I was having a conversation with you about this and I said, look, what happens if we don't have content? And we know by the numbers that 83% of a buying decision is made before we have the conversation. What does that mean for the amount of leads that we're missing out on? Are you willing to continue to make this mistake? Right? Like we know now, we know that people make 83% of their buying decision before we have a conversation. And if we're not controlling that online conversation where the content is being consumed, and we're not putting out content that influences the buyer, persuades the buyer in the direction of using us, using that content, then we're making a, making a critical error. We're losing out on so much lost opportunity. So wouldn't it make sense for us to invest in more content marketing? So now I'm tying your emotion to that decision, making it a lot easier for me to get you to make a decision in my favor. And this is like, as marketing people listen to this, they're going to be like, oh, of course, right? Like, why am I not thinking in a way to persuade? I, like, I think about that with everything else, about how I approach the market, about how I approach the funnel, about how I approach my ICP. The executive is still a customer. He's your or she is your customer. So you still have to apply the same principles. No, absolutely, man. I mean, like you, you brought up a couple of points, which I thought were really like spot on. I mean, for starters, the whole, you know, thinking like a marketer and treating the C-suite like your internal customers. That, that is so critical. And I think you brought up something which I thought is so important. It's kind of like content marketing. You've got to think about who you're talking to, right? And in oh, this yeah. case, they're the target audience. Right? Yeah. So. yeah, that's entirely correct. Because if you don't okay. think of who they are and what they're doing, you're going to miss it. Absolutely. We think it's just a conversation, right? Like that's we come in with this presupposition that we're getting alignment on something. But what does that actually mean? It means persuading something, someone of something. That's your job. You should be doing that, right? So think about what they need to get out of it. That's your customers. Speak to their needs. Absolutely. And uh, another point that you brought up, which I thought was so critical, and this is not to be negative, but it's that amplification of the pain of mm -hmm. what is going to happen Yes. if if they don't seize this opportunity and they let the ship sail past, right? Or uh, what was it? The fear of missing out or FOMO, mm -hmm. right? As they, as they like to call it, right? Absolutely. This next question is going to give you an opportunity to showcase um, some of the success that you guys have had. So just talk to us about a challenge that you and your team have managed to solve in the past 12 months. So I'm going to speak specifically to um, a situation where we were able to help a company basically leverage their existing content and build new content to bring in new leads. And I won't name names or anything like that, but we, we were fortunate enough to have a conversation with a, a young woman that was leading marketing at a startup, seed company, pre-series A. 
And at so many of these companies, there's really only one person managing the marketing. And so she had been searching for a really long time about what to do and how to use the content and how to leverage it. But as you know, as a one person show, managing that level of complexity became really, really challenging for her. Like she couldn't do everything, right? Because she was doing events, she was doing content, she was doing outbound lead gen, she was like all of these things included. And it's chaos. You can't do that as one person. Well, she was a media production house, right? Yes, basically, right? Like, (laughs) so she, she needed a content partner who could help show her and like put a strategy in place to be able to do that because of the content that we produced and because of the stuff that we've done, she stumbled upon us, of course. And when we had that conversation, it was like we immediately clicked. And I like to think of her as Ray in the new Star Wars movie, you know, where someone's lost on a planet and they they know that there's something better out there for them and they've been searching and searching and searching and all they need is the opportunity. And so we were able to have this conversation and put a strategy in place that was able to dramatically increase the volume of content that we produced for that organization, but not just the volume. The quality of the content increased and the quality of the leads increased and the quality of the brand increased as a result. Why? Because we were able to get significantly more amplification out of what they were doing, leveraging the founder within that organization to be able to amplify that message, leveraging the marketing person themselves, leveraging the brand, and then using social media to be able to amplify that message. Now, without us being able to do that, they would not have been able to achieve the significant increase in leads and significant increase in sales. Why? Because she's a one-person show. She needed that support to be able to do that. And without having a partner to be able to support you through that, it it can sometimes feel like a insurmountable task, like you're at the bottom of Everest thinking, how am I going to get up this thing? Once that partner is there to guide you and help you along the way, everything changes. Now, there's a lot of great marketing agencies out there. We're not the only ones. So I would be remiss and I would be arrogant to say that we're the only ones that can do this. The goal here for you, if you're in this kind of a position, is to find the right partner for you. Find out who they are. Find out what they do. Find out how they could support you. Find out how what kind of expertise they have in your industry. Find out what kind of industry connections they have in your industry. And work with that partner as an extension of your own marketing team. And once you can start working together like that, it changes everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's an incredible achievement. And, uh, you know, I can totally relate to what this person, this individual was going through, because, you know, these, these marketing department of one, let's just call these individuals what they are, right? They are struggling because they, um, they've got so much on their plate, they, they are mandated to deliver on so many different fronts. And at the same time, they don't actually have a team that can support them with it, right? Right. Yeah. It's a challenging situation for so many people to be in. I mean, even if you're a team of three, right, the amount that you're expected to do as one person in a small startup is bananas. And for you to be successful, you need someone to be able to help. Now, the benefit is, is that if you bring in a partner like us, doesn't have to be us, but someone like us, they could help you or should be able to help you 
build the business case. They should be able to help you get the budget. They should be able to help you show you the strategy of how this is going to work. They should be able to lay out the content of like, okay, this is what's going to resonate based on your audience. Here are the keywords that you need to start ranking for. These are the people and influencers that you need to be in touch with on an ongoing basis. And that's becoming more prevalent as well as the use of influencers in B2B marketing as well. It's it's crazy the way things are going there. Anyway, the goal here is to try and find the right partner for you. It's got to be a unique fit thing, not just a can they do the job, but also a culture fit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, uh, whether people choose to accept that or not, uh, marketing is a team sport. Oh, absolutely. Right. I'd like to compare it to like a game of football, I guess. Oh, sorry, soccer. <laughs> football is the European term. But if you've got somebody on the team that doesn't pass the ball, I mean, yeah. It's game over. This is not going to work. Right? Yeah. This is not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. All right. We are going to get to, I'm going to say the highlight of this conversation, and I'm only going to call it the highlight because it's so crucial, right? Break it down for us here, Mark. How can B2B marketers get buy-in from the decision makers? And let me add on a few more questions. And that's really just to set this up, just to show the folks who are listening to this at home that we mean business, okay? So what arguments should they be presenting? to the C-suite? What data should they be showing? How should they answer? Oh, here it comes, ready? How should they answer the ROI question? And lastly, what low hanging fruit can they leverage? Off you go. All right, so this is big. This is a big topic. We're, we might not be able to cover it all in one go, but we'll give it the best shot that we can. When we're thinking about the kind of work that you're doing, and when we're thinking about the kind of effort that you're putting into building your content marketing strategy, all of those things that Christian just talked about are critically important to ensuring that you have the right structure. So the first thing that I want you to focus on is getting the right structure in place and building your business case according to that structure. Because like any writing endeavor, it's always easier when you have your subheadings in place to be able to do it. Then think about what is it that I'm trying to achieve? I'm trying to achieve getting budget from this particular party. I'm trying to get money from this person. And they think about certain things that are going to help me get that money. First thing I want you to do is ask them. Ask them what they need from you to be able to secure the budget that you need for content marketing. What are the things that they care about to give you the money? That's going to help flavor the conversation that you have with them. And when you show them the evidence, the logos that we were talking about earlier, there's that logical argument of what, you know, this is better, 83% of the purchasing decision, all that kind of stuff that we spoke about earlier. And you also should be adding about what kind of results could we expect as a result of doing content marketing. Now, here's the shitty part. There's no way to know for sure. 
So what I would recommend for you is to do some research based on your industry to be able to determine what kind of reach you could experience as a result of investing in content marketing. And when we think of the reach, don't just think of the production of the content. Think also about the distribution of that content. And this is what so many people miss when it comes to content marketing. It's not just about producing the blog. It's not just about producing the case study. Your influence and your ability to get people to consume content is a function of two things, producing the content and the eyes on that content. Because the saying of if you build it, they will come is not necessarily true at the beginning. That only takes, that takes time to build in SEO. And you're thinking of like a six month payoff in terms of traffic. That first six months, your executive is going to be needing to see results in terms of engagement and consumption and all of that kind of stuff on the content that you're producing. So you also have to, as part of your budget request, not just a budget for production, but a budget for distribution. Now that distribution takes two parts. Number one is paid distribution through all of the channels that we're familiar with, right? Whether it's social, whether it's on Google, whether it's on Amazon, however you wanna distribute that is totally up to you. And based on your industry, we're not gonna predefine that for you. But there's also organic distribution. And this is where you need to not only be using organic social, but the organic social of the thought leaders that exist within your business and the thought leaders that exist outside of your business. So then the question naturally becomes, how do we distribute through that? First, obviously, you have to have buy-in internally for the thought leaders in the business to be able to distribute this kind of content. Usually, that's kind of a no-brainer because those people just end up looking better at the end of the day, and it helps the organization. And I say that with intention because on average, and we're going to focus specifically on LinkedIn because we're B2B, generally speaking, on average, you get 4x the reach, and that's on the low end, 4x the reach on a personal profile versus a company page. So it only makes sense for you to be able to use the existing people within the organization. So there you can start making the business case for the, the no-brainer stuff, like the reach, the awareness, the, the impressions, all that kind of stuff. You can do the math to be able to build the business case there. Then you can start to do the math around website traffic. And there's a bunch of resources around this that could show you what a potential increase could look like. Like you could go to SEM Rush or you could go to another organization like that to get an understanding of what could be seen in terms of website traffic growth if you start producing SEO-driven and individual-driven content. That also relates to the conversation around on-page engagement, like how much are they actually consuming? What are they actually consuming on social? And then you can start getting into the conversation of like, how is this going to improve lead quality? And then hopefully what you're doing as the last step is tying it to attribution. You've got to be able to attribute your content to a decision being made. 
So whether that decision is to sign up for the email list, whether that decision is to um, have a conversation, to book a meeting, whether that conversation is to go into the chat and have a conversation with someone in chat, there needs to be attribution in a piece of content going to that. Now, this is gonna take work. There's no hard and fast and easy way to do this. Um, you're just gonna have to put in the effort to do the math to show how the attribution is gonna work. And you can get averages online to show what the conversion rate from content to booking could be. That will help you to build your business case on what ROI could be, which is the last part of the conversation. That ROI conversation happens as a result of you doing all the math with attribution to a booking decision. So you can't have the ROI conversation until you do the math beforehand. And there should be a very clear through line from production to traffic, to booking, to sale for you to be able to support that business case. Now, here's the kicker. You actually have to deliver that. You can't, you can't just build the business case and show all of this work without actually building that into the program. The good thing is, is if you've built your proposal well enough, you are building in time because the website traffic is not going to kick in until three, six, nine months from now when SEO usually gets in. But if you've built in your PPC to distribute that and your social to distribute that, you're going to get start getting results a lot faster. I hope that answered your question. It was kind of like a long drawn out answer, but it I think it did. No, it absolutely does. And I think, you know, you you broke it down so beautifully. And I know it was a lot. Like, you know, there are a lot of questions. There's a, there's a lot of detail in there. And obviously, yes, there's um process, right? There's there's several steps, several factors that have to be taken into consideration. Now, I, I, I suppose as a follow-up question is like, is this an approach that companies can take even if they're like of a smaller size with limited budgets? I think so. Because I think what's going to end up happening is if you have a limited budget, you may not necessarily be utilizing an agency like me. You're going to be utilizing yourself and maybe a freelancer here and there, right? So we're not a fit, for example, for a, a small business earning less than a million dollars a year. We're only a fit for sort of larger type small businesses that earn in excess of that, that actually have a marketing budget set aside, and then we can get a piece of that marketing budget to show you how you can leverage content. If you're a, a much smaller business and you're sub one mil in terms of revenue, you can cobble together a lot of this stuff on your own by utilizing freelancers. But it, the downside to that is just recognize it's going to take significantly longer right? The, the amount of effort that you're going to have to put in to manage freelancers, to manage the writing, to do the editing, to build out the strategy, that's all on you now. You don't get someone like us to be able to help you support that. So just build in more time into that process, because if you go into it thinking you're going to be able to achieve those same results as like a series A company with money that's just raised money, well, you won't. So just recognize that going in. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. On the topic of content, right? So from your experience, how can thought leadership content directly influence revenue? Man, it's like my favorite topic. Thought leadership <laughs> content is required. You need to have someone within your organization or a few people within your organization that you are positioning to the market as thought leaders. 
And that's really, really important because there's, there was a recent study um, done by Edelman and LinkedIn that said 63% of decision makers say that thought leadership is an important way to provide proof to them that an organization genuinely understands or can solve their business pr problems. So when you think about that and you think about all of the thought leaders in your industry, there's probably three, maybe four people that pop out at the top of your head of like, who would I go to? Whose work would I read online? Who would I follow to be able to get insights about the challenges that may exist within my type of business? What a lot of companies will start to do and have already started doing is they will start buying thought leaders which sounds like a weird thing to say, but like the same way uh, D to C company would buy um, the use of an influencer, right? They would use an influencer to sell product. What I'm seeing a lot of is B to B businesses hire thought leaders within the industry and position them on social as such to develop the thought leadership position of that organization. And the examples of this are many. I mean, you've seen this online with marketing. You've seen this even within, within industries like procurement and accounting and all of these types of businesses, they're, they're hiring thought leaders, right? Respected industry professionals that have a great reputation that speak at events that are really well known and positioning them as the thought leader within that business to level up the perceived level of thought leadership of the firm that is working. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I've, I, I've seen that across the board. Like, I think I've recently seen that like a couple of weeks ago with a contact of mine who I also interviewed for this podcast. And they're in the testing safety and certification industry, right? So that's, uh, that's very, it can get quite niche, I'm going to say. But they brought yeah. in a, a guest speaker who was from a completely different industry, still B2B, but who had that respectable uh, like reputation right yeah okay the downside to that is if you're like if you're a firm that's hiring that thought leader and that thought leader is going to be posting on social you've got to be comfortable letting them post because they're going to say some wacky shit from time to time and you've got to be okay with that because they're building your brand in the process so as long as you're comfortable with that I'm a big believer in that, by the way. I, I'm like free social in my opinion, but a lot of more conservative type businesses struggle with that concept. And if you're gonna struggle with that concept, this is gonna be a difficult hill for you to climb. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, you're probably not gonna have um, any problem answering this question, but as we all know, um, Content marketing for B2B has evolved over time, not necessarily because of what's, I'm not going to say it, but the current state of affairs of the world. Um, but what are some of these major trends that you've, uh, that you've seen or observed that you think that um, B2B marketers uh, should be paying attention to? Yeah, great question. I think there's going to be massive moves in three big areas. I, the influencers thing that we spoke about, that's going to be a thing. Um, I think you'll see a lot more businesses moving in that direction. Um, the advent of AI uh, and using AI to produce content and scale content, I think is going to become more and more important. We're not there yet, but if you look at like um, GPT-3, the AI engine, the natural language processing engine, it's amazing what that, 
machine is doing right now with the ability to produce legible writing. And that's amazing and also a little bit scary. So I think you'll see a lot more of that. I don't think it'll move into B2B and until maybe the next two to five years. And then I think the last thing that you'll notice a lot of is the use of uh, NFTs and the metaverse. I think metaverse is going to play a big deal in a lot of D2C stuff, which means, and D2C is always ahead of B2B. So I think you're going to see a lot more community-based work done in the metaverse and the use of NFTs in that process. Like um, we saw it a little bit at the end of 21, where we saw kind of like blending between virtual and physical conferences. What I think you'll start to notice more of is that that line becomes more blurred as things go along. And there's going to be a lot more augmented reality and the use of NFTs to be able to level up rewards and engagement and all that kind of stuff too. Uh, are you are you referring to like, uh, I, I suppose it's like hybrid, right? Very so much hybrid, yeah. yeah. Mm. Or, or whatever they want to call it, fidgetal, was I think another yeah. term being used. Yeah. What are your thoughts on AI and B2B content marketing? Yeah, talk to us about that. I think it'll help a lot in... D2C first, mm -hmm. B2B is still to come, I think. The only thing that I'm concerned about when it comes to AI is that AI is based, the, at least for the engines that I've seen so far, the content is based on the SERP that already exists. So a lot of it is pulling ideas from like the first search 10 rankings that you would have to produce a piece of content which is great in terms of the existing keywords, but it does nothing in terms of the creation of categories. And I think what we'll start seeing is more and more people moving into, I don't want to say more and more, but there's going to be at least more prevalence of people creating categories instead of competing on the existing SERP. So you've seen it with like um, revenue intelligence that Gong did, right? Or amplified marketing that Casted did or inbound marketing that HubSpot did, right? Like those, those created categories, I think you'll start to see more and more of that so that they can start competing in blue ocean sort of strategy stuff versus competing in the same SERP that already exists. Okay. Okay. That's fair enough. So I'm going to throw in this question. It'll give you an opportunity to get up on your soapbox, but <laughs> a status quo in your area of expertise that you passionately disagree with and why? Perfection over speed. I, that drives me absolutely bananas because- I can tell. <laughs> you are dealing with a, an ever-changing environment all the time and everything is moving so quickly for you to wait until something is absolutely perfect is bonkers. Instead, I would rather have you have the, like the DevOps mindset where you're constantly iterating. Put it out, doesn't work, change something. Put it out again, doesn't work, change something. Be faster in your production. Be faster in your content because that relevancy counts. Right, The faster that we put it out there, the better that we're able to see what's changing in the marketplace according to customer needs and moving. If we wait until everything is perfect, we'll never get anything done. 
And so the whole concept, this is especially true if you're dealing with like executives that are not super comfortable with marketing to begin with. They want everything to be absolutely perfect, but we cannot operate in that kind of an environment. We need to move faster. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. It, it it almost strikes me as being something that like a tech startup would do, right? Yes, like, very much so. Very much tech startup yeah. mindset. Like, let's just go. We got to go. Right. Develop the product, launch, continuously iterate, yes. launch again. Yeah. Because yep. I, and I think I've had one guest on that uh, that really hit the nail on the head when he said, um, if you're going to wait until your product is perfect, then you waited too long. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that was, that's like a, that's a Reed Hoffman quote, I think, where yeah. he's, where he's, you, you've waited too long. You're too, it's too late. It's over. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to throw in this bonus question for you, sir. <laughs> and and this can be applicable to your business or, or you can, you know, think about this as being something like, you know, for your clients, right? If you had 10 times the marketing budget that you have right now, what would you spend it on and why? It's like creating my fantasy right now. Um, <laughs> I would spend it on high quality comedy content. That's all video. And I would create a series that's comedic for the industry that I'm working in. Because I think comedy is the ultimate type of content. And I think a lot of people are afraid to dive into comedy as a source of attraction and because it's it can sometimes be controversial and i want to play in that space so if i had the ability if i had the money i'd be doing a lot more with comedy yeah no that's a that's a very, very interesting one i mean i'm all for it I'm, I'm i'm quite sure there's many especially in the b2b space out there that would be very hesitant to do something oh yeah like that. <laughs> oh yeah listen we and we that's why we're choosing it because right. no one else is willing to do it so i'll right. play in the fire that's cool yeah <laughs> yeah no they, they they just don't want to take the risk right <laughs> fantastic all right mark thank you so much for your time and for sharing your expertise and insights with the audience me. so it was an absolute pleasure it was an absolute pleasure so please do us the honor of um telling us a little bit about yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. The easiest way to get in touch with me is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Let me know that you listen to this amazing podcast. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love to have a conversation with you about content marketing. If you were interested at all about finding out more about the agency that I run, it's called Content Callout. You can go to contentcallout.com. That's the easiest place to go. We've got a bunch of free resources on there, as you would expect. We have a podcast called the Content Callout Podcast as well. Um, so we'd love for you to listen to that as well. And we've got a few guides that'll help you along the way to becoming a better content marketer. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mark, once again, thank you so much for your time. This was an incredibly insightful, thought-provoking conversation. And I, and I really hope the listeners get a lot of value out of this. All right. Thank you so much. And I hope they do as well. All right. Take care. Stay safe and talk to you soon. Bye, Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Mm -hmm.